Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. The following interview is designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be. Your host, Derek Champagne, is the founder and CEO of The Artist Evolution, a full-service agency building successful brands, marketing tools, and campaigns, and also the author of the best-selling book, Don't Buy a Duck. And now, let's begin today's Leadership Series interview. Welcome to the Business Leadership Series, where our goal is to inspire you to become the best leader that you can be. Today, we're going to play a special interview with Abigail Autry of the London-based podcast, Motivational Mondays, where she's actually interviewing me as a guest on her wonderful podcast. I talk with Abigail about some of the successful businesses that I've had. I talk about some failures that I've experienced, uh, some disappointments I've experienced, and how I've been able to overcome those in my own life and with my own business. But first, I want to talk about a new online marketing course that we're really excited about It's co-branded with my wife, Valerie, and I. So if you know an entrepreneur or a small business owner who needs help with building their brand correctly and with building an effective marketing campaign, the ChampagneMarketingCourses.com is a step-by-step online course that even has a certificate of completion at the end. It takes about two weeks, and we walk the do-it-yourself small business owner, entrepreneur, step-by-step with how to build an effective brand how to build their messaging, how to do research on the competition, and how to build a campaign that gets results. Again, that's champagnemarketingcourses.com. So let's get started on today's interview segment. Again, we are playing an interview with Abigail Autry from Motivational Mondays. I get the amazing opportunity to be a guest on some of the top podcasts in the country, and this one is no exception. Abigail is a wonderful host. She did a great job of making me feel comfortable to open up about my failures and successes, what I've learned along the way. So we'll start that interview right now. Don't do this alone. Put your ego in check and get others around you, number one, for accountability, and number two, to make you better. Wake up! It's a beautiful morning and time to ignite the greatness within you. This is the Motivational Monday Podcast, and here's your host, Abigail Autry. If we were to fast forward to the day of our funeral, what is it that you would once said about you? I found myself from being in Hollywood, playing shows, fast forward six months, almost a year later, and I'm sitting in a cubicle in in corporate America where I never thought I would be. Every Monday morning, my goal is to bring you an array of motivating and inspiring coaches, authors, keynote speakers, entrepreneurs, and fitness gurus to share their perspectives on motivation to awaken the sleepy giant within you. Plus, you get a taste of their secret sauce on success habits, ninja tips on staying healthy as well as happy, and personal insights as to how they transformed failures. Guess what? into fortunes, equipping you with the power tools to make those powerful moves. Hello and welcome to this week's Motivational Monday. 
the show that guarantees you the motivation you need to thrive throughout the week. Derek Champagne is our featured guest on today's show. He is the CEO of The Artist Evolution, which is a marketing design and practice management company. Now, Derek helps businesses of all budgets design and implement marketing strategies. And in addition, Derek is also an accomplished musician. He's made a number of different musical contributions to the soundtracks found on TV shows such as ABC, MTV, Bravo, Oxygen and the E! Channel. Hello, Derek. A warm London welcome to you, sir. To you as well, Abigail. Thank you so much for having me as a guest today. Pleasure is all mine. Now, to start off with, what part of the world are you in at the moment? I'm in Fayetteville, Arkansas. That's northwest Arkansas, the the kind of the south middle of the United States. Love, love that. Derek, let's kick off with what would you say is your zone of genius? My zone of genius, and I didn't realize it for a long time until people started telling me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so I said, maybe I'm onto something here. But it really is to motivate people mm. to see their potential, especially people that are either sitting on the bench or, or maybe they're down, and to help them make step-by-step action plans to accomplish their dreams. You know, c- potential energy, there's nothing more frustrating to me or disappointing to me than to see potential energy in an amazing person, which I really think every single person has something amazing and a unique gift inside of them. And a lot of people are are too fearful or mm-hmm. are concerned about about actually stepping out and doing it. So that's that's my gift is helping and motivating others to see it. And then that's not enough to see it and then actually take action because it's so rewarding. It is indeed. Interestingly enough, you said uh, initially it was something that you weren't aware you had. How were you able to develop this skill? Well, initially, uh, I, I'm just such a passionate person like many of us are. And, yeah. you know, that can get me in over my head as it does for many <laughs> of us, right? And so I would passionately convince people, maybe, mm-hmm. <laughs> persuade them. And, and I, mean, I had people move across the country for new things and All for right. music projects and things like that. And then people started telling me, you are... Uh, you're very motivating and you're convincing and, and a lot of, and so, you know, be careful. It wasn't necessarily a negative thing, but it said, you know, just so you know, people are, are really listening to you more than they might with somebody else. And I, I never thought of it that way. And so that was when I realized, not that I have this giant gift, but I realized I want to be really very responsible with this and make good recommendations, but also not put it away because it is a gift that um, used correctly can yes. really help people just like other people help me with their gifts. Love that. And it's so true about taking, you know, that kind of ownership that it's something that we're given and we must be quite you know mindful that we can influence people for the good and the bad so it's really good to keep the balance all right so as an entrepreneur and the CEO of the artist evolution um just talk a little bit about your business how did you how were you able to get started Absolutely. And, you know, I can share a little bit of my background too, but I I was, uh, I've been an entrepreneur for as long as I can remember. My parents were were touring musicians part-time in the 70s and 80s across the United States. Wow. And so by the age of three, mature age of three, I was on stage for the first time. (gasps) And I really fell in love with with making connections and seeing the audience and seeing how there's a product or service and the demand for it and how to connect it. So for me, music and business and marketing were kind of just interchangeable. I really, at, at a young age, didn't even know how to distinguish it. I probably thought they were all one and the same. At 12 years old, I had my own band with my brother and we were, my parents were driving us to shows into Nashville, Tennessee, and, and were kind enough to enter us into talent contests and take us all around. And, mm. and I was the manager of the band. So imagine 12 years old. Yeah. Uh, you have very few scars if you're lucky, right? Right. And the world is all upside. 
everything you learn, everything you do is all upside. There's no downside yet, mm-hmm. really, if you're, if you're lucky and if you have a good environment. And, and that was mine. And so for me, I had the unbridled enthusiasm of a 12-year-old and everything about business, music, marketing, all of it was just, man, to go back there again. Yeah, I don't know if you even ever can mm-hmm. co- completely, but you know, it was, it was, there was no, the sky was the limit. There was, there was just and a white. And it's so pure at that age as well, isn't yes. it? Yes. And it should be. And that's with my kids. I love seeing that too. And I want them to keep it as long yeah. as they can. And, and so that was kind of my mindset for years. And so uh, I owned a couple of businesses at a young age. And uh, and then I, at a certain point in time, had the opportunity to move to Los Angeles, California and play music there and have a, a marketing management company. And I got to play three or four nights a week on the Sunset Strip there in Hollywood. And we were one of the, the in the house band at the Viper Room when Johnny Depp owned the club and oh. got to do music on soundtracks. And, you know, it was a very, what sounds like a glamorous life, but it was kind of a, it was kind of an exhausting life too at a certain point. Uh, at 29, I, I remember my wife, she was my girlfriend at the time, and we yeah. just said, you know, this midnight shows and, and you know, lines around on Sunset Boulevard around the block <laughs> and all these things, they're fun. It sounds cool. It sounds so cool. It could keep you there forever. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to do more. And so we had an opportunity to develop some other products. I had an opportunity with this big businessman who entrusted me with developing some sales products for him. And, and I did. And we, we took it nationwide within a few months. And so I ended up moving back to Northwest Arkansas, where I was originally from. And, uh, and I actually started to work for an agency for a little while and just realized that I was able to give better service and, and f- develop and find it a niche with the artist evolution by helping smaller businesses and giving them more of the kind of the personal attention. So in 2007, so was, we're celebrating 10 years this month, which is a big- Congratulations. Thank you. It, it's a big milestone. And, yeah. and, and so we're celebrating 10 years this month. We went off on our own. It was scary. And I've got so many stories about that. And we went from take going out on a limb, kind of hungry, you know, mm-hmm lean and mean trying to get the business off the ground and uh, to having a lot of competition. So, but we, we stood, we withstood it and we, um, we had a, a very strong vision about what we wanted to accomplish. And so here we are 10 years later, growing year over year. Wow, wow, wow. I love that. As an entrepreneur, but more importantly, let me focus uh, as a leader that you are being the CEO. What hurdles did you personally face in the beginning and how were you able to overcome them? Mm, thank you. That's a great question. And it's one that I didn't look at for a long time. I'm on a quest now. I'm on a mm. quest every day, every week to learn how to become a better leader and how to empower my team. Yeah. But I wasn't for a long time. And I tell this often. I I really, honestly, I, I pretty much woke up one day and looked around and went, uh-oh, I'm a leader. Mm. I see, I always thought of myself as, as a pioneer right. and an entrepreneur. But I never intentionally woke up as a kid and said, I want to lead people. Because there's a big responsibility there. Huge. I know we're all leaders. We lead ourselves. We need to do those things. I get that. But I looked around and said, I'm, I'm not only am I a leader, but I'm an unintentional, unfocused leader. Mm. And, and so some of the challenges that I was seeing in, in my team, as far as they're buying into the vision and some other challenges, I realized painfully as a prideful person, like <laughs> many entrepreneurs and type A's are, that it was probably my fault. And so I started from then to really try to strip back my the layers of what was holding myself back uh, as as helping our company grow, and it really started with me. So I learned a couple of things. One was, one was I was asked to speak for this company called CEO Global, and they're an amazing international organization. I was honored to do it. I couldn't believe they asked me to do it. And they said, oh, "Great, here's your topic. We want you to teach about. It's called servant leadership." Okay. <laughs> and so right, and so this was about a couple of years ago, and I started looking through the material, and I said. 
Uh-oh. Once again, already on the quest, <laughs> I went into my operations manager and I said, we've got to make some immediate changes within our company. Because again, I, you know, once I realized I wanted to make a change, I'm hungry to learn new things. Yeah. And so even as I taught this course to all these amazing students, I had to be honest the whole time and say, you know, here's an example of servant leadership and here's where I've personally failed. Here's where I did not intentionally put my team first or here's where I was selfish or here was I was lazy. And, and to be open and honest that way and then really share your vision with your team. It's amazing the buy-in that you get when you do that. And we watched a transformation in the culture of our organization whenever whenever the leaders, starting with myself, <clears throat> became more transparent and became hungry and intentional about being good leaders. That's so good. So, so good. So 10 years on, Derek, if you were just to maybe flip your head back to that young man that was starting out, right? Right at the mm. starting blocks. If you were to turn your head and look at that young man, what would you tell him today? That CEO who started 10 years ago. Yeah, great. I mean, you asked some good questions, Abigail. So <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, well, the first thing I would say is don't do this alone. Don't be on an island. Don't do this alone. Put your ego in check and get others around you, number one, for accountability, and number two, to make you better. You don't know what you don't know. We can't know everything. And, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs and, and aggressive types are somewhat self-sufficient. And we, we just say, we'll put our head down and we'll figure it out. I don't really, you know, I don't really need help lifting things. I, I got it. Hmm. And I like the challenge. And I like the story of when I did it, right? And, well, I did this. No, that'll only get you so far. Derek, 10 years ago, would have done well to hear that. And if, if he would have listened, and I'm not sure if he would have at the time, but... <laughs> Uh, 10 years older, balder, and wiser, uh, and, and I'm eager now for help and, and having those around me that can be mentors and hold me accountable. Beautiful. Ladies and gentlemen, just to rehash what Derek has said, you just don't know what you don't know. So do surround yourself, whether it's a mastermind group that you can connect with or a, an accountability support system, because what you want to do, and we've heard it said so many times, if you're the smartest person in your group, guess what? You need to get a new group. Uh-huh. As an artist and also uh, a leader, entrepreneur, what would you say is the myth attached to the word success? Hmm. Well, success means so many things to different people. Yeah. I love that question. I really love it. And so, you know, if I can, if I can tell you what success was to me right. and then what it is to me now, then that will probably make it more personal and tangible. Please do. I, I grew up with amazing family, but we we didn't have a lot of means. My parents in the in the early seventies they they basically kind of started from scratch. They they wanted to make a better living, make a more honest living, and and uh, and they they basically put all their money and land and everything in the offering plate at church. Right. And my dad started as a blue collar worker from scratch. Uh, never made a lot of money. God bless him. He's a great dad, great family man, and a hard worker and a great example. One of the top men that I know and will ever know. Mm. Uh, but money was never his focus. It was about taking care of his family, making sure they had the values that he wished he had had early on or that he wanted us to have. Um, and my mom was a volunteer school teacher. We lived on a dirt road. We had no air conditioning, no cable TV. Friends would come over and say, you know, turn on the air. I'm like, we don't have air. They're like, stop. <laughs> I'm like, no, no, in these hot southern 100-something degree weather, there's no air conditioning. And none of that's a sob story. But we just, we grew up waste not, want not, sure. no lecture light left on, like a lot of people did in the yes. Depression and other times of life. But we had we were in such a prosperous culture and society at the time. So we're the way we were living was a little different, no video games, <laughs> none of that stuff. But we had music and we were able to play outside. and. Uh-huh. 
And so we learned to do those things. But, you know, something inside me, it was that, and maybe it was a combination of that and a combination of a few negative experiences that I had where, where I remember being, I think, 18 years old. I had just started a business and I was active in my church. I was active in a lot of things. And, and I remember... I remember hearing that a principal or that a leader had said that, you know, my brother and I were just losers and, and they thought we would amount to more in our life. Whoa. And that, that, that's, that was one or two comments and, and they found out that we heard about it and, and the man came to me and apologized crying. And that was powerful. And I, mm. and, but, but here's what he said, Abigail. He said, I am so sorry that you found out I said that. I just thought you would amount to more. And here I was, a college student, had a business, was trying to do things right with my faith and with my life. And and so, you know, really no blame on that person who, by the way, I saw a few months ago. I'd been waiting to know for 20 years how I'd respond. And, and I gave him a hug and just said hi and wished him well and said a little prayer. And, yeah. and, and that wasn't what I expected to happen when I would see him. But and, uh, and so I think I carried some of those things. One is trying to prove myself that I was smart enough, I was good enough. So and then powerful. the other is that I wasn't a loser. And, and that kind of, I didn't even really realize this, Abigail, until a few years ago when I really started searching for my why in my leadership and my roles and what might be holding me back. And I realized a motivator for me for 20-something years was to prove to somebody who I hadn't seen in 20-something years that I wasn't a loser. So and to powerful. prove to a dad and to prove to a family and, and that I was, uh, that I could be financially successful. And I have done some good things um, even when they weren't even looking for me to prove that. So success to me now means what kind of, how do I, how am I able to leave a legacy? How am I able to take care of my family in a good way? to be able to participate in my community. Uh, financially, great, yes. I mean, of course it matters to have money so that you can do things. Um, and, and as much as you want, do as many things as you want. But if that's the only focus or if you don't know what your personal why is on your journey, then you will always be trying to out-earn, out-build something that you're not even sure what you're outbuilding. I'm just really kind of digesting everything you said. It's just got so much meat on those bones. And dear listeners, um, if we were to fast forward to the day of our funeral, what is it that you would once said about you? And whatever those things are, whatever those wonderful words you would want executed, articulated about your life, start living your life like that today. Fast forwarding into 2017, you're an accomplished CEO with a very successful business under your wing. What mindset or strategy do you feel sets you apart and has been instrumental to your journey? Mm, again, another great question. Here's the exciting part of, of 2017. It yeah. means that we've made it 10 years. Yeah. And so, and I heard another CEO say this a few years ago, and I thought, I can't wait to get there. And now we're here. And it doesn't mean we can rest. It means we need to be even more motivated <laughs> than ever for the right reasons, of course, but to stay away from competitors, take care of our customers. Uh, but I realized we don't have to think year by year now. Before it was, how do we make it to next year? Come how do we make it to next year? We've done 10 years. Now we can say, what do the next five years look like? Mm. What does the next decade look like? The second decade, the third decade look like for this company where we can leave a legacy? So the, my mind shift has been, how do I make this, uh, how do I leave a legacy here where someday when I'm not here, it continues beyond and so I'm already looking. I'm not tired at all. I don't have fat cat syndrome. I'm hungry. I'm motivated. I love what I do. But I'm also watching for the next emerging leaders who can also step in and do it better than I can and take over. And, I, and when it's time, that's when you're supposed to hand the keys over, even if it's something that you built and that is your baby. 
So that's one thing I'm watching for. Another thing of my mindset that I've come to learn, and I learned this from Dr. Randy Leis, who was, who's been a client for a decade since day one. Wow. Uh, and also has been a personal mentor to me. And I wrote about this in my book, but mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. If you're familiar with that triangle, mm. the bottom of the triangle is, is all about your physiological needs, your safety, your security. It's things like breathing, food, water, shelter, shelter, clothing, sleep. You need those things. It's, it's pretty much survival mode. Correct. But when you're in that mode, and that served us well when we were in when Neanderthals in the in the, the Stone Age, when we were trying to you know get the woolly mammoth and survive and figure out how to make fire, it doesn't serve us well when we're being intentional in our businesses and our lives. When you act out of survival mode, you make these emotional decisions that aren't based on the best sound decisions you can make. I'm not saying don't have emotion in what you do. You should be passionate, have emotion, but make sure your decisions aren't made that way. When you operate from the top of the triangle, that's being strategic. I teach our clients how to be strategic because then you take the emotion out of money spending and out of growth. And here's the, here's what's at the top of the triangle. Self-actualization is morality, creativity, spontaneity, acceptance, experience, purpose, meaning, and inner potential. Oof. Which one do you want to live from? Come on. The top, Right. That's how I'm operating my business in 2017 is from the top of the pyramid. And when there's problems or challenges, if we're doing things the way we should be doing, if we're doing customer service the right way, if we're investing in our R&D the right way, if we're doing things the right way, then we don't have to panic and be in survival mode when we make our decisions. We can be strategic about them and live with our decisions. I couldn't agree with you more. And also this, there's that scarcity thinking as well when you're in a place of just mm. trying to survive. That Those lean years, you never make the right decisions. Let's turn the wheels of motion yeah. and go back into time. I, I read somewhere recently that uh, the former president uh, of the United States, uh, Barack Obama, whenever he'd mm. have guests to the White House and they would be eating, dining, he'd ask them, what's the fawn in your life and what are the roses? And so I'm going to ask you, Derek, to take a deep dive back into time and to talk to us about one of the points in your life where you had hit the lowest of the low, that fawn that was in between your rows. Tell us that story, please. Mm, yeah, I'll tell you that. That's, that was an interesting transition point for me. And I actually shared it for the first time a couple of weeks ago. I've never talked about it. Wow. Uh, because, and it's really because of, and when I told someone that, they said, yes, share it. I said, okay. <laughs> and it's not that it's so earth shattering, but it's it's the disappointment in myself and the way I responded to a situation. It just showed me where I was at and what I was capable of as far as my response and things. And, and so I was in the music industry for many years and it did change. Change. And around 2000, Napster came out and all this technology where you could listen to music for free. True. Uh, all my friends were signed to major labels. They were all bartenders. They couldn't even play. They're all, our dream from kids on as musicians was to, was the dream of th- that alluring appeal of getting a deal and, and you, mm. you tour and everybody pays for everything and there's tech riders and you choose the color of M&Ms and cheeses <laughs> on your tour and everybody swoons over you. And there was, you know, there was some moments of fun that way. And that's not why any musician's doing it. They're all doing it for the love of the are most of them. Uh, but there was just such a tough time in the industry. And so I did many years in it and, and kind of got tired. And I made an intentional decision, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to make a change. Mm. Now, selfishly back then, and I'm not proud of this, I was with an, an act that are like my brothers. In fact, last night I, pl- I played with these guys at, at a, a place. We did we played four hours of music together. Beautiful. And so um, and so things are great now. And But at the time, I thought to myself, when I leave this project, it will 
it will stop going on or, or it will follow me and live under kind of my house and, and my ability to participate in it. And, and so when I left, I expected things to either crumble. That's not good, right? I, we want things to continue. I know that now. Uh, and so I left. I went to corporate America. And I was kind of in this transition point. I was kind of at a low point, to be honest with you. I'd moved. I had a great thing that had happened. And then our company kind of got bought out and transitioned. I found myself from being in Hollywood, playing shows. Fast forward six months, almost a year later. Yeah. And I'm sitting in a cubicle in in corporate America where I never thought I would be. Wow. And I was just really in a confused place. I wasn't being an entrepreneur at the time, which was was weird for me. I've been an entrepreneur my whole adult life. And I was just in this uncertain spot. During that same time is when not only did my, the, my music project in California not quit, they thrived. Mm. Now, I Whoa. should be happy for them, wow. right? Not only did they thrive, but during that same time when I was at a really confusing spot halfway across the country, John Mayer, if you've heard of that artist, John Mayer, he endorsed endorsed the band hmm. that my previous project endorsed a particular couple songs. I had worked on one of them previously, not now. <laughs> and uh, and as I and so I got to in real time watch millions and millions of clicks happen, and millions and millions of endorsements, and millions of copycats on YouTube praising the band and the songs, and Australian Idol taking the song and and playing it on on Australian Idol TV, and and then the winner of that recording the song, and and goes on and on, and. I'm not proud of it, Abigail, but I, I almost had a breakdown at that point. I can completely get it. I actually heard a bang, a, a noise in my head. I was at this office job I wasn't happy with, and I heard a boom, and I just felt a warm sensation, and I called my wife and said, I'm not sure what's going on. I didn't tell her that was why. She's actually the only person until a few weeks ago that ever knew any of <laughs> the mm. story. And I ended up going to the emergency room a couple different times, having panic attacks and yeah. thinking that I was having a heart attack. Whoa all from my position in life that I chose and all from my attitude, my mindset about what shouldn't, shouldn't happen and other things that I had done in my past that I wasn't a part of now. And the third visit that I went to the doctor, he said to me, Derek, you're healthy. You have a problem. I said, what is it? <laughs> and he said, you're going to have to change jobs and make a change in your life if you're going to be okay. That's the problem. I said, mm-hmm. what? <laughs> okay. And so that was a transition point for me where I actually ended up uh, with the blessing of the company I was at leaving and ended up starting my agency. So the great thing about it is the most sex- successful business I've ever had came out of that downtime. Yes, yes. But here's the bigger story that I learned from this. The bigger thing that I learned was that I want to be a legacy entrepreneur and a legacy human being, which means not that I think I'm capable of running around creating these big legacies, but anytime that I make an intentional decision to leave something because it's, it's time to make a change, number one, I need to be okay with that. Okay with whatever the outcome is. Number two, I want to be not have the FOMO, that fear of missing out. Yeah. You made a decision, move on. And number three is I want to make sure that I'm happy and proud of what I was a part of and that the biggest selfish blessing that could happen is for it to live on and thrive. Even if my name is never mentioned or remembered again in my legacy of who I am as a human being, I was part of that. And so that's my mindset now. And again, I love those guys now. And they'll hear on the podcast for the first time when they listen to this. He wasn't happy for us back then because he sure did seem happy, right? So, so that's a big moment for me to admit that. But so it's more disappointed in myself with how I responded. But again, being a legacy human being and a legacy entrepreneur, that's what I want for my, my agency I have now. And I'm only 41. I might have 10 more businesses in me and, and 10 more projects, 20 more. And I want all of those. Anytime I put my fingerprint on it, I want to be happy when I go that I was able to be a part of it. 
Derek, thank you. Thank you for your complete transparency. What would you like our listeners to extrapolate from your story? Well, a couple of things. I, if I get to write uh, some guest articles in the Huffington Post, and, and one of the ones I wrote recently was was actually kind of an outflow of this. I, I usually write from these kinds of experiences, and they're kind of my experiences, and I share what the lesson is. And one of them I have is called, Should I Stay or Should I Go Now? Hmm. And it's really about evaluating yourself and where you're at in a position in your life and knowing if you're at a transition point where you're at, if you're not happy, if you're not sure, if you're running a business that's failing, if you're in a stressful relationship. And, and I kind of help identify here's, you know, first of all, put perspective on where you're at. Yeah. You're, you're in your story. Jen Grisanti, who I love, she, she's an NBC producer and has done all these big shows like Melrose Place and, and uh, uh, 90210, things like that. Mm. And she talks about being the active hero in your own story and how you have the opportunity to help your story be where it should be, right? right. And so at some point in your story, no good story, every good story needs to have, has to, has to have a, a down part in the story. There has yeah. to be conflict or it's not a story. It's no fun. Nobody wants to watch one without conflict. Mm. And so just recognize that's where you're at. But then also if you're an employer, if you're an employee, whatever your position is, do that to the best of your ability and take pride in it and take comfort and know that what I'm doing now is going to add to the mosaic of me as a grown, healthier person down the road. And so I'm going to, I'm going to extract everything I can from this experience and flip it to a positive mode. Oof. See, if I could have done that at the agency I was at before, I'm glad it happened the way it did, but I might've been able to work there much longer and learn even more. And so I want to make sure that my mosaic is taking every experience I have and bringing it with me. So no, right now, listeners, wherever you're at, even if you're in a bad relationship, whatever it is, this is going to be part of your story someday. And it's going to be really powerful. And it, it won't always be painful uh, as it is when you're in it. You'll be able to look back and share and help others. So good. What one lesson, Derek, took you the longest to learn? The longest lesson. That's an easy one. That's asking for help. I alluded to that earlier, but I just couldn't do it. And, you know, we've, you've, you've interviewed Aaron Walker, who's a mentor of mine, right. and I'm in mastermind groups with him. And, and uh, you know, understanding that, that it's okay to ask for help in, in the mastermind groups, that's, again, the biggest lesson is, is don't do it alone. Never, no matter what you're doing, don't do it alone. Mm-hmm. As a person of faith, what integral role has your faith played in your life as well as your business? Yeah, what faith has done for me, has show, it shows me, and, and this is something I have to remind myself all the time, Abigail, so I'm not saying that I do this well. In fact, you just reminded me that I need to do it more. <laughs> but what faith does for me is remind, it shows me what my role is in the whole situation. Uh, whether I'm dealing with something at work or with a customer issue or, or employee issue, it's just, it's a small part of it. Life is much bigger than me. And I'm just part of this whole, this whole story. And so, uh, it allows me not to have to be in control of everything and to know that my issue I'm dealing with is somewhat small in the whole scope of how big life is. Ooh, ooh, ooh. What are you excited about at the moment, passion projects-wise? Yeah, I've got a really cool project I'm super excited about. We, My wife has been obviously with me from day one of our business. She's she stayed behind the scenes. She's a research and development person with our company, though. She's amazing. One of the best marketers I've ever met. met. Brilliant mind. I'm the one who does all the shows. She does a lot of the hard work on the oh, back end. Right. <laughs> it's the way she likes to do it. And so <laughs> this this is about to change because we have a we have a course that we've co-branded together and it's it's taking our 20 plus years of experience in business and marketing and everything we've learned as agency owners and reviewing over a thousand brands and helping launch 
brands from startups to household names. And we teach this online course. It's champagnemarketingcourses.com. And it's her and I together, co-branded, her up front and center because she's so great at it. Brilliant. And uh, and we, we're teaching all our secrets for solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, marketing managers, anyone that has any interest in marketing and business at all. And we're showing them how to brand and market like pros. And we teach you everything, every trick that we've learned in the last 15, 20 years. Amazing. And please make sure you give us all the details at the end of the show. Okay, Derek, so we are on the second half of the show. We're going to kick off with Mindset Mastery. You've shared so much pearls of wisdom on the first half of the show, but we're really interested in learning more from you because in the words of Jim Ron, success leaves clues. Hmm. To kick off with Mindset Mastery, during tough mornings or tough times, what are you doing to keep yourself going? Yeah, I have a mantra that I've practiced for many, many years, but I coined it around the time we started our agency. And it's two words. It's it's without fail. No matter what, no matter what, without fail, mm. I do the things that I promise I'm going to do, whether I feel like it or not. So it's not even about how I feel. You know, you mentioned if you're having a bad day, that's great. But without fail, these are the things that I promise I'm going to do and I'm going to do them. And on my good days, when I look back, I'm so happy that I, without fail, did those things. That carries over to our promise to our clients, to my team. We did a video recently with our team and unprompted, it was unscripted. We just had a camera on them and interviewed them. And several of the people without being asked to, without fail, dropped into their vocabulary. And I said, yes. We had a meeting with a client a few weeks ago that we just signed up. And and uh, I said, hey, we're going to have that to you in a couple of days. I'll have it to you by Friday. And he said, without fail? <laughs> and I said, yes, sir. He said, that was, a, that was the first time I had not heard you say that. He said, I, I love that. And so that that mantra is what I carry. And the people around me know that we expect a lot, but also personally, I expect it for myself. And it's really not this whole big hurrah, motivate yourself. It's just, hey, without fail, follow this list that you're going to do each day that you promise you're going to get done and do it without fail. And you will continue to make first downs and make progress that you're happy with on your other days. I would give you a high five if I could actually see you physically, because I completely, <laughs> that is my mantra as well. And um, yes. what, what, Many people don't realize, and dear listeners, if you ever want to, you know, develop your self-esteem, you want to feel really good about yourself, learn to follow through on your promises. It is that simple. If you say to somebody you're going to do a particular task or you're going to respond back to a call or an email and you do it or you're going to clean the house or whatever the thing is, just learn to follow things through. And in the words of Derek, without fail, people begin to, you know, take you at your word and understand that you are a person who they can rely on. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Moving on to morning routine. What tools, maybe apps or resources do you use personally to get motivated in the mornings? Yeah, it's not an app or a tool that I use necessarily, but I learned this and I'm trying to remember what book I learned it from. But uh, I learned about doing this morning ritual where I see I used to, I'm always an early bird anyway. So people that wake up late, they hate me. <laughs> but but it's just the way it works. I get up early. And that's a great habit if you haven't to getting up early and learning how to do that 5am mm. thing is really powerful. But I used to get up and work. And, and that was just, all that was, was extending my work day. It wasn't necessarily making me more effective. So what I do is, is I'll take a few minutes and I actually, I do a couple of things. One is I sit down and I'll actually meditate for about five minutes. And that really is just, just a simple meditation. I'm not this advanced meditator. I just meditate and think about positive things. And, and I, I, I really, one of the main things I do is, is I meditate about gratitude. Beautiful. I think about the things that I'm grateful for. And then I spend a few minutes in prayer uh, and then I'll spend a few minutes and do something that is not about work, whether it be 
uh, doing a doing a reading of a book that I want to read, uh, or either you know a, a business book if I want, but not about work itself. And I'll do an exercise, and I'll exercise for for a, a few minutes, and mm-hmm. and that's a great way for me to start my day as a routine. Beautiful, maintaining personal growth. What one book? I know it's going to be difficult, but what <laughs> one book would you recommend that's been most inspiring to you? Yeah, I, the Go Giver Leader. For some reason, that Bob Berg mm-hmm. and John David Mann, I don't know if you've read that Go-Giver Leader. Not but yet, no. It was really profound to me in, in this way. And it tells it almost as a, as a fictional story. So it's actually a really easy read. And then you realize part with you, okay, okay, <laughs> well done, well played. Uh, but they get you. And one of the biggest takeaways I had from that I really love is it talks about influence and it talks about there being power and yielding. Yes. They say you can't push. So when you're talking about influence over other people, you can't push a rope. If you put, put two people on a rope, you can't push. You almost have to pull. And it's talking about yielding and letting people lean into you. And it's just a great different way of doing it. And it's, it's not a servant leader. It's the go-giver leader. It's just a different approach. And it's made an impact for me on how I see my team and, and my peers and others around me. Thank you. And lastly, managing health and wellness. What do you specifically do, not just to stay healthy, but also happy? Yeah, balance is important. It really is. And, you know, my early days as an entrepreneur, we had very little business. I would get in a suit, put a suit on, go to my office and sit there for 12 hours, Mm -hmm. 12 hours every day, six days a week, whether I had something to do or not. (laughs) And I just said, I'm going to will this to happen. Well, you can only do that for so long. So there's important for, it's important to have balance. And I had a a mentor, Dr. Steve Graves, who said, you know, you, you can do that for a few years, but then, you know, when your kids are about three or four, you better better know that you've got to have better balance in your life. So I just have balance. I've, I've got a six-year-old boy and an eight-year-old daughter and they mm-hmm. keep me, they, they keep me looking through the lens of a child. So a rock is cool. We found a worm, a long worm outside the other day and they named him Mr. Worm and it's like, apparently <laughs> he's a new pet. Fantastic. How can you not, how can you not think like a child when you've got children that you can engage with? So yes. step outside of yourself, um, put balance on work. You have to, I'm, and now, now I'm an aggressive hardworking person, but my balance comes from taking some time off, uh, being an example to my team so mm-hmm. that they see me take time off so they know it's okay for them to do as well. Um, and then, you know, I, I, I like person of faith going to my church and then mm-hmm. I love playing music. I, I told you I played for hours last night and, and that allows me to keep the, the, the well-rounded understanding of who I am as a human being. And you can't have all your identity and your work. It's just, you just, it's not healthy. It's yeah. healthy long-term for you to pull from other things. And the, the other one is related relationships. Make sure that you invest in relationships around you. Your neighbors, know them. Know who your neighbors are. Know them. Be friends with them. And and build your network around you and your friends, not network, your friends. Um, and have them close by because you'll want to have them in times when you need them. Um, but that's also great for you having balance because you hear the challenges and the fun and all the things that they have going on. And it just shows your place in the world a lot more healthily than uh, if you put too much focus on one thing. Love that that's so good and lastly i don't actually know what you're going to say because you've just been dropping it all throughout this interview but uh, what is your final call of action what would you like to leave our listeners with today and also how can they connect with you yeah excellent so yeah i'm gonna tell you one more story because i like to tell stories um i was i was as a child i was actually painfully shy I would play in front of lots of people doing music, but when I was a one-on-one, I, I just had this gripping fear. I realized later it was probably pride. I was just very self-conscious. And I didn't know it at the time, though. And so at, I think I was 18 or 19, and, and I had a business, but what was holding me back was this shyness. And so I actually went and started waiting tables. 
I intentionally went and waited tables for the first time in my life. And I did it in order to be forced to interact with people, to serve them, um, and to Mm. cater to their needs and to be forced to walk up. I would get fired if I didn't. (laughs) I had to walk up to people and say, hi, how are you doing? I'm Derek. And it was hard to do. So that forced me, I actually got pretty good at it. And, and so that taught me, uh, that taught me. And I knew that if I didn't do that, that I was going to be held back in life from doing bigger things because it was important for me to be able to, to get outside of my shell. So my advice to the listeners is if you're on the bench, if you, if there's things that are holding you back, um, I learned to kind of say one, two, three, go, and then just do it. And I learned that from being in, on this high dive. I was afraid of heights. And I just said one, when I was 10, I said one, two, three, go. And I just jumped And in life when there's something I'm uncomfortable with one, two, three, go. And I do it. So if you're on the bench, get comfortable, you'll actually find you get comfortable in the uncomfortable. And I actually enjoy it now. So if you, there's something you're tackling that you're afraid to tackle, I want to encourage you to end that today. One, two, three, go. It'll build your confidence. It'll build your your just your whole ability to do new things. And you it will be one of the best confidence pillars that you can have. Wow, 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 wow. And how can our listeners connect with you? Yeah, absolutely. My email is Derek at theartistevolution.com. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, Derek Champagne, spelled like the drink. <laughs> and I love to hear inspiring stories, success stories. Uh, just anywhere you are on your journey, I just, I'm passionate about learning about what other people are doing. And then if you're in business or solopreneur or, or marketing minded at all or curious, I've got a best-selling book called Don't Buy a Duck. It's at don'tbuyaduck.com. And then our marketing courses are champagnemarketingcourses.com. And my wife makes me look really cool. <laughs> I am afraid that's all we have time for today. But if you go over to abigailarchery.com forward slash podcast, you'll be able to check out today's show notes, links, including Derek's book, everything you need order to, also to connect with him. Derek, thank you for sharing your most inspiring story. I've been completely blessed listening and talking to you. My treat, Abigail. Thank you so much. And my thanks again to Abigail Autry. If you want to see more of her episodes, she's got such an inspiring show. It's Abigail, A-B-I-G-A-L-E, Autry, O-T-C-H-E-R-E.com. And Abigail, thank you so much for having me as a guest. I want to invite our listeners again, if you have a small business owner or an entrepreneur who is trying to improve their brand, find their messaging, and build an effective campaign, go visit our online marketing course. It's champagnemarketingcourses.com. And if you visit that page and don't want to order, we still have a free download, which is a guide to improving your communication with your target customers. And that's available there. And it's a five-part email series, a video series that Valerie and I put together just for you. As always, thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in and downloading these episodes. Please contact me to give me feedback on the show, Derek at theartistevolution.com. I'd love to hear from you and can't wait to share our interview next week. You've been listening to the Business Leadership Series, where we engage with leaders who are making an impact on their worlds and who want to share their knowledge and experience for your personal and professional growth. This interview was designed to inspire you to become the best leader you can be.